New on CuriosityStream, Darwin's theory of evolution, a scientific breakthrough, but 1920s Tennessee wasn't ready for it. It became the Bible versus evolution. Followed a heated trial that changed American education forever on Monkey in the Middle. And it's the country's deadliest highway. There were something like 178 accidents in a 10-year period. Don't miss the most dangerous road in America. Watch now on CuriosityStream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com. After the horrors of yesterday night, I tried to get at least some rest in the early morning hours, but laid wide awake. At around ten when the sun was already high in the sky, Dale came knocking on my door. He greeted me with a forced smile, obviously trying to appear confident. He looked like he hadn't gotten a wink of sleep either. Are you ready? He asked softly. I swallowed and bit my lip. I don't want to do this, I confessed. I know, Dale muttered. I remember thinking there was something off about him, as if he was quarreling or struggling with himself. The frown on his face looked deeply conflicted. Ever since I arrived here, I found it hard to trust anyone in this home. For all I know, it's like Bridget said. They could most certainly sell me out. I'm not even sure if it was smart to trust her. Then again, while trying to kill Warren was not successful... I'm glad I tried. For a very short moment, I had been certain he was dead, and those were some of the happiest few seconds of my life. I still hoped Dale would remain honest with me, though. Up to that point, he had not really given me any indication that he wouldn't. I straightened up and got out of bed. Dale nodded at me and held open the door. I grabbed the revolver and fixed the locket around my neck. He's in the kitchen, Dale uttered. I followed him downstairs. My heart was pounding in my chest, and my stomach felt uncomfortably light, almost as if I was drunk on nervousness. Bridget, Dean, Rick, and Betty were standing in the living room. The red-haired woman shot me an apologetic glance. Watch what you say, she whispered as I passed her. Be careful. I nodded and proceeded to lean around the corner to peer into the kitchen, and there was Mitchell, sitting at the table, a plate and a glass of milk in front of him. Why did he look like Mitchell? The same broad frame, the same dark brown hair, the same large face. A terrible thought crossed my mind. It took all my strength to swallow my apprehension and set foot into the small room. The second I entered, his head jerked around and his eyes fixated on me. I quickly glanced back at Dale, who was standing right behind me. He made a half-hearted attempt at a reassuring smile. I bit my lip and stepped forth. Not Mitchell didn't budge when I approached. He remained seated, waiting for me to pull out a chair and sit down across from him. For a few seconds I held my breath, not daring to break his gaze, not daring to say a word. I watched as he took the piece of bread on his plate and slowly tore off a piece of it. He dropped the smaller piece and continued to have in the remaining part, all while glaring at me with narrowed eyes. I opened my mouth to say something but nothing but a low, cawing noise came out. I was almost relieved when he finally spoke up, that awful, unnatural voice of his making me shudder. Do you happen to be cold, Leia? My lips were unable to form any words. Not even a short no left my mouth. Instead, I lowered my gaze and shook my head. Are you certain? 
You can tell me if you're cold, Alea. I'm not, I breathed. A sardonic smile crossed his lips. Strange. I could have sworn I saw you tremble just now. Another pause followed. Warren grabbed one of the bread pieces and slowly brought it up to his mouth, letting it vanish behind a row of black teeth. I realized that I had never actually seen him take in any food before. He immediately picked up another piece and carefully tore it in half. Is Mitchell all right? I managed to ask, my breath shaking. I can take on the forms of those who are alive, just as easily as of those who have deceased. Is Mitchell all right? I repeated. Warren looked up from his plate. He is? I swallowed hard. I would like it better if you weren't using his form. Not Mitchell raised his eyebrows before slowly his face began to contort. His jaw cracked as his mouth stretched almost all the way up to his ears, baring his ashen teeth. Saliva instantly began to run down his chin. His eyes grew smaller and more narrow, until they were nothing but thin, menacing slits. His fingers started to stretch, growing longer, slimmer, his nails growing pointed and sharp, until they resembled claws more than hands. The dark hair I knew so well from my co-worker and friend took on a ghostly white color. His skin had become so pale and ashen, I was certain I could see the veins pulsing underneath. Once again, his clothing slackened as it adopted to his lean, starved body. I think I can by now fathom his appearance a little clearer. He looks sort of like these modern artworks depicting skinwalkers. Just more human, but by no means any less predatory. I took a deep breath, trying my best not to seem frightened. It was almost impossible, though. I felt my hair stand more on end with every second that I held his gaze. Are you mad at me? I finally managed to press out. Warren shook his head. It was not your fault that you attacked me. You were coerced into doing it, after all. You are delightfully trusting. It is endearing, really. But you have to stop listening to dumb people. Too bad that trait has never acted in your favor before. The way he spoke to me made me shiver. Every word he said was drawn out, slow and deliberate. Is there anything you wanted to tell me, or... Warren shot me a thin smile. There it is. I would like to know just what it is that you are doing here. You do not belong here. Not with these greedy, gullible, treacherous people. They are just waiting to throw you under the bus, you know. I gulped, reaching up to grab at my locket. I had placed the revolver in my lap, its weight reassuringly pressing down onto my thighs. Stop being so immature, Warren told me. Take that locket off. Will you? I don't want to, I replied, wrapping my fingers around it even tighter. Why would I believe you of all people, I added. I admit, I was not always up front with my intentions towards you. Still, I do believe to be the lesser evil, he replied. I don't think so, I hissed. I wasn't even sure what he meant, to be honest. But I didn't want to listen to him either. What a shame. He regarded me with an unreadable expression. Or maybe it was just his twisted face that made it come off that way. You should still listen to what I have to say, though. 
I averted my eyes, nodding for him to go ahead. I fancy a wager. I couldn't help but immediately look up at him, growing attentive at these words. I believe I overheard you promise a certain doe-eyed man that you would free him from his misery. I want you to know that that is nothing you could ever do on your own. But I could. He picked up a piece of bread and nibbled on its crust, black goose soaking into the dough. And at what price? I inquired. You sound more apprehensive than expected. Maybe I should negotiate over Nathan's life with someone who cares a bit more? I do care. I just want to know what... My voice trailed off as I followed Warren's gaze to the doorway. I turned to see Dale peeking in at us with a frown. This is not the time to be shy, Dale. Come in. Join us. Tell her the truth for once. Warren said in a way too cheerful tone, cracking me a sanguine smile. My former manager slowly trotted inside. He looked over at me with sad eyes, as if begging for forgiveness. I'm sorry, he uttered, his voice cracking. I, I don't... What's going on? I stammered, my gaze darting between smirking Warren and sheepish Dale. He said he wanted to help you, right? I'm sure that was true at first, at least until he realized what there was to win back. I overstepped a couple boundaries. My mistake, even though I can hardly say I regret it. Still, there was no real reason to drive you all the way out here, was there? Do you want to know what I think? I think Dale heard the ones underground cursing you out, so he fired you, unsure of what might happen to you. Soon after, however, he realized that he had lost a valuable bargaining chip. As an employee of the park, he hadn't certain authority over you, but he fired you. The only way to regain some authority would be to make you his and his family's guest. Stupid to lure me over to a place where the family's young ones are at. But at this point, we both know that Dale acts before he thinks. I turned to face Dale. Is that true? I whispered, my voice faint and quiet. Dale bit his lip. I'm sorry. I swear this whole time I wasn't sure if I'd go through with it. I never wanted to. I swear. I just... I... He stopped and ran his fingers through his hair pure desperation written all over his face. There you have your trustworthy friend. I spun around once again only to behold Nathan's soft, handsome features. Warren's chin was resting on his fist as he smiled up at Dale with twinkling brown eyes. I felt sick at the sound of the wild one's cold, metallic voice coming from my friend's mouth. Stop that, Dale uttered huskily. Don't do that, he added more ferociously this time. Not Nathan let out an eerie chuckle, fully baring his cold teeth. Warren began to turn back to his true self, still laughing. Suddenly I spotted something in the back of his throat. I watched in horror as two thin, black insect legs emerged from within his maw. Another two pairs soon followed, as slowly and deliberately, a large cockroach pulled itself out onto his lips, crawled all the way up his face, and vanished into his white hair. As his cackles grew louder and louder, two more bugs scurried out from his mouth, only to disappear on his head. I felt like gagging. So, are you willing to listen to my proposal, or do I have to enlist your pathetic acquaintance's help? Go ahead, I muttered. 
I will release Nathan from the stagecoach if you make it back to him in the span of two days, he said curtly. You have to be on time. Also, I will most certainly join in on the fun. Think of it as a larger version of a game of tag. I will grant you a head start of, say, ten hours, maybe. I am a gentleman, after all. If you do not make it back to him in time, or I manage to find and catch you before you have reached him, you lose. I swallowed. What happens if I lose, though? I am very glad you asked. If you lose, I want you to get rid of that awful necklace of yours and that revolver, too. No more silver, no more iron, no more laurel, sage, or red verbena. I frowned. That would render me completely powerless. Still, there was something incredibly tempting about this offer. Two days? I could make it in two days, right? I could try my luck with hitchhiking. It shouldn't be that hard. I still have a few questions, though, I interjected. Ask away, Warren offered, plucking apart his bread once again. Why me? Because chasing Dale would not be any fun whatsoever. No, no, I, I mean, why me of all people in the park? Why are you so focused on me? Warren didn't respond. He just smiled dryly and shoved a tiny piece of bread into his mouth. That's when I noticed something. Three cockroaches had crept out of his mouth. There were three bullet holes in his chest. Three wild ones in the park. Swallowing my apprehension, I repeated my question. Again, I received no reply. I asked again and Warren shot me a displeased look, yet opened his mouth and answered. You stayed in the park on your own accord. No one ever forced you, and I am sure you were not in a beggar's position. Admit it. You found it exciting. You must have felt it, too. I know you did. So did the others. What's your point? I inquired. Warren leaned a bit forward. My point is I really, really like you. The others are all right, mostly, but I... I like you most of all. The way he said this made me shiver. This answer was elusive, and I can't claim I really understood it, but it felt so wrong. I didn't actually want to know more, but I just had to ask. What happened when you were alone in the restroom with me? No response. He merely sat and stared at his plate. I did the same as earlier and repeated the question twice. I wish I hadn't. You were unconscious. I took your backpack and poured out what was in it onto the floor. Then I collected the things that I could touch without getting hurt and put them back inside. Then I opened your mouth. It was difficult since you weren't awake, but that's enough, I muttered. I didn't want to hear any more of this. At least that confirmed my suspicions. Why is it that the other non-actors have to hate Laurel too? Because it is the one that hurts the most. Another elusive response. Admittedly, this one was a bit more useful. Have you made up your mind? Warren inquired. I could sense that his patience was wearing thin. Instead of asking what the number three meant to him, I nodded. There's one more thing, though. You're expecting me to play for Nathan's sake alone, but if I lose, I have to let go of everything that protects me. If I win, I want my humanity back as well. I want you to stop whatever weird crap you've started doing to my body. Is that clear? Warren chuckled. Certainly. I thought that was just common sense. Don't pretend. You wanted to screw me over. I got up from my seat. 
I'm not going to lose any time. I'm getting my stuff, and then we're getting started. I shot Dale, who had been standing quietly in the corner of the kitchen up to that point, a short, void glance. He looked back at me with tear-filled eyes. I merely shook my head and went upstairs to grab my belongings. When I had gathered everything, of course including the locket and the revolver, I passed Dale's family once again in the kitchen. Warren was still sitting at the table, watching me with what I assumed to be amusement. The wager is on then, I told him firmly, hiding my sweaty palms in my pockets. See you soon, he said in a menacingly tranquil tone. Screw you, I hissed, marching out the back door. It was high noon when I left. I had first made my way out of the neighborhood of Dale's family home and wandered alongside the road for a little bit. I had stopped near the edge of the woods adjacent to it and had just pulled out my cell phone to check my position. There had to be some way I could get home. I figured I would just need to find the right route. Suddenly I felt a tug on my shirt. I looked down and almost jumped in shock when I laid my eyes on... her. Right next to me stood a little girl, barefoot and in a simple light pink dress. If it hadn't been for her head being that of a rabbit, but the size of that of a child... I would have never thought there to be anything off about her. Hello, the rabbit-headed girl greeted me. It took me a while to calm down from my initial shock. Hi, I muttered, mouth still agape. You're the one they're all looking for, she said. Where are you going? I need to, uh, I have to get, I have to get back to the park, I, my voice trailed off, losing itself in incoherent stammerings. I can help you, I know a shortcut she said, clutching my fingers with her tiny hand. I was suspicious at first, very much so, in fact. That was until she explained that she harbored a deep resentment towards the Wild Ones. Especially not Warren. I followed him here, you know. He's a dingus. I chuckled a bit. I figured what the hell. Maybe this is another instance of me being too naive. Right now we're sitting in the woods taking a break from walking. She says it's okay because once we reach the shortcut, we'll be at the park in no time. I've yet to ask why she hates Warren so much, but I do think I can trust her. It feels right somehow. Plus, in the short time we have spent together so far, the little cutie hasn't once asked me for my name. I think that's a good sign. I can't believe I'm actually doing this. <laughs>